This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. With pedals like the Snow Day Delay, the Pep Rally Fuzz, the Trash Panda, and my personal favorite, the Science Fair, which is two classic dirt pedals in one with a mid-boosted overdrive on one side, a black lab rat circuit on the other, and a blend knob to blend between them to find the perfect classic stacked dirt sound you're looking for, it's hard not to find something you'll love. Mark builds all of his pedals by hand in Syracuse, New York, where he also works as a full-time educator. In addition to the super fun graphics on their pedals, Mark also offers custom artwork. Want your dog's face on a pedal? He can do it. Want your face on a pedal? He can make that happen too. Go over to summerschoolelectronics.com and make sure to tell them that 40 Watt Podcast sent you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever it might be to all you 40 Waters out there. I appreciate y'all tuning in today. Um, Got a really exciting show today planned for you, Um, or as much as planning I do, you know, things happen. Um, We're going to get our housekeeping stuff out of the way first. Uh, Please take a moment, pause the podcast, go go find us on Facebook, Instagram, we're on Twitter now. I said I wouldn't do it, but I did it. So it's there. Go follow it. Uh, find us on YouTube. Subscribe. Bell icon. Thumbs up. All those things. Um, please leave a review of the podcast wherever you are listening to it. Or if you're watching on YouTube, please uh, leave a comment. Uh, you can say nasty things to me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It'll be fine. Say great things if you really feel them. But um, please do that couple other links that are going to be down in the description of the episode or in the video description. Make sure to go check out. We have uh, uh, merch. We have t-shirts and stickers and other cool stuff. Um, I also have my Reverb uh, uh, Reverb affiliate link down in the comments below. So if you click on that, you sign up for Reverb. Anything you buy at no cost to you, I get a little bit of a kickback. It helps keep the show going. Uh, hopefully one day I won't operate at a, at a deficit. We will see. I doubt that'll happen, but that's great. Every little bit helps. And lastly, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash 40 watt podcast, where for as little as $3 a month or as much as you want to give, you can help support the podcast. And I do try to give some of that back in the way of donating to charity. So 25% of all of this year's proceeds will be donated to St. Jude Children's Hospital. So I really hope you'll consider supporting the podcast and at the same time helping some pretty awesome kids going through a pretty terrible situation. Um, and bam, under three minutes. I like when I get it knocked out that fast. So today's episode, <laughs> I'm really excited to have Brian Wampler and Richard Oliver from Wampler Pedals and the Chasing Tone podcast on the show. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing good here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'm doing well, I think, most days. So, you know, uh, gigs are starting to come back, so that's getting better. Um, Gigs, what are are those again? (laughs) So those are those things where we actually go out and play guitar in front of other people. In front of people? (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. I'd forgotten what that felt like, too. (laughs) Completely. So I can't, um, I haven't played in front of 
people for probably two years, and I think I'm getting ready to here shortly. We're putting the band back together. But by, by, by getting ready, he <laughs> means he's growing a mullet. I think. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on a skullet, actually, more of a skullet. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but but I'm wondering, like, am I going to get stage fright all over again? Like, is that is that whole thing going to happen? I don't know. We'll see. You know, I've never had, I've never, okay, no, I I will take it back. The only time I've ever had stage fright, I was a music major. And so there were times when I'd play in jazz ensembles in college and you look into the audience and it's nothing but your music professors and your music peers. And there was something (laughs) about that terror for me. That was the only time, but. (laughs) I, um, years ago I was played my first country band and there was a song that was in, um, three quarter time that I actually, and I started it out. I played it in four quarter, you know, four, four. <laughs> and it re- like, and this is a, a packed club at the time. This is like the Brooks and Dunn era, right? Yeah. Where, so everything's honky tonky here in uh, Indiana. And um, it wrecked that song completely. It was strawberry wine. And if you're familiar with it and it completely wrecked that song and threw me for a loop. And ever since then, well, for, for a little while after that, like I would just get really jittery and then, you know, but I was in, you know, 22 or something like that. Oh, so sure. I, I got over it eventually, but still I'm wondering, am I going to get the, am I going to be like, uh, what am I messing up tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned strawberry wine. That song has haunted me the last couple of weeks. It keeps coming up. Why does it he- Brian for 20 years? <laughs> right, try, try playing it in four, four. Yeah, it'll, when I when I when I was in college, uh, Dina Carter actually came and played at the Performing Arts Center on campus, and of course, that was when that song was all the rage. I guess that was yeah. ninety nine, two thousand, somewhere around that range. And uh, no, I, I had a buddy of mine the other day. Um, sent, he's making his own homemade strawberry wine. He sent me a picture. I said, "Oh, it looks great!" But now all I can think of, and then I you know wrote out the lyrics of the song, extending right. all of the syllables. And uh, he said his wife is walking around singing it. And then all of a sudden, my wife started just singing it a couple of days later. I had not even told her the story yet. And now you bring it up. There's something going on. I need to. Universe is telling me something. It's saying hopefully drink it's more telling, strawberry wine. I was say, hopefully it's not telling you to become a, a, a hard alcoholic or something. I don't know. <laughs> Can you I become mean, a hard alcoholic on strawberry wine? Though? It's like 5% alcohol. Don't hey, challenge right? me, Richard. Yeah, I was going to say, give me enough time. We'll figure out a way. <laughs> but uh, so I, I had a couple of gigs last week and I played a an outdoor music festival, like small spread out music festival a couple of weeks before that. And I discovered that having not played gigs in 18 months, the hardest thing for me was volume again. I'm so unaccustomed to stage volume now. Bedroom volume is so much lower. And so suddenly I'm playing live and all these things I know, I know, but still surprised me like, Oh, there's a lot more mids in that sound than it is when I'm sitting in my bedroom playing. Everything changes with volume. (laughs) Everything. Everything changes. Tones. I mean, like, to, like just the way the guitar reacts. There's just so it's so completely different. Yeah, you it, know, it it really it really really threw me off on stage. I got some video of the out the the sound out in the stage, and it sounded great. It sounded fine on stage. I'm struggling. I'm like fighting. I'm like this sounds not at all like I'm used to. So <laughs> it is what it is. So are you playing through your own amps, or are you playing through like house? line or whatever uh playing through my own amps um and, I, and what what amps do you normally play through 
Uh, for that gig, the the one that really threw me off, I was playing through a deluxe reverb reissue and a Victoria Tweed Deluxe. So okay, hmm. nice. So, so no Kempers for you then, huh? Uh, no Kempers. I do. I do have a Helix. Uh, I I bought one. Uh, I I can't maybe twenty late twenty seventeen twenty eighteen. This podcast is over. This <laughs> right. has been great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would. I'll tell you. I bought it. I bought it entirely to flip it. I got this crazy deal on it, and I was like, oh, I'll try it, see what all the rage is about, and then I'll flip it and make a little cash. You know what I mean? No big deal. Uh, right. I still have it because I ended up playing a bunch of musical show choir and church gigs with it. Uh, where they, you know, got to have silent stages, the whole nine yards. And I was like, oh, this is really convenient for those gigs where, let's be honest, I'm playing Mamma Mia. Uh, nobody cares that the guitar sound is amazing. <laughs> they just need it to sound like a guitar. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we joke. They are obviously very, very good these days. We we were talking actually last night about modelers on, on the Chasing Tone podcast. Um I don't have any of the modern ones yet because uh, I just like pedals with simple knobs on, but I have been tempted a few times. Their, their convenience is, is ridiculous, right? I think so. Yeah, me, yeah, me personally, I, I really don't use anything. I mean, I have like the Helix plug-in. That's pretty cool. I use more plug. If I'm doing that, I'm using plugins, I suppose. I don't, but playing live to me, half the fun is having an amp hitting your back so loud that it, your, you know, your shirts flapping in the wind from the speaker. That's half the fun. Or, or like my buddy in the seventies. Well, my buddy who played in the seventies, and he had this like late sixties dual showman on the like two fifteen cab that mm-hmm. he would he'd play he'd play bass gigs on with that. And he can remember like multiple gigs where it would walk to the front of the stage and numb him, <laughs> nudge him in his back because there was so much volume coming out. Of it. I don't doubt it. Those That's things, pretty air. Yeah, those things are monsters. But uh, I, I, I won't lie. I've, I've become a pretty big fan of some of the, the, the Line 6 stuff. I do use the smaller units on my pedal boards as, like, Swiss Army knife pedals. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, if, I, if I need to do, like, I quickly need just a basic tremolo. I'm like, oh, I can, I can pull up a basic tremolo. Or if I can need to do something else like that. They're really yeah. good for that. But, like, drives, I need real drive pedals. I, I need them individually. I would say everyone needs drive pedals, even like drummers. You need you need the overdrives and distortions, specifically from WamplerPedals.com. Oh yeah, so you know? so it's funny you bring up uh, Brian. Uh, your last name is Wampler. There's this company called Wampler Pedals. Are they related? No relation at all. But I've heard they're great. <laughs> Brian makes sausage meat. Isn't that right? We make sausage. <laughs> so, do you have any vegan sausage? <laughs> oh no! Brian, oh. Brian loves his plant-based. Oh, <laughs> not a not a fan of the plant-based meats. Uh-uh. Can't do it. Sorry. No, I don't. You're that's wrong. Cheating. That's that's just cheating. That's like having uh, it's like having an enchilada without beef. You it's know? as if we applied science to life, Brian. You know, <laughs> no. don't, don't want to do that. Let's just let's just apply brute force again. <laughs> you know what? You know what kind of meats I like. Meat-based meat. That's my favorite kind. You I, know? I do hear that works really well. <laughs> if it if it has legs, I want to eat it. You know, <laughs> I have got a guitarist friend of mine who we went we went uh, years and years ago. We went to have 
uh, we went out to eat at one of the like seven Mexican restaurants in town, right? I don't even remember which one. Because uh, every town's got seven. I don't care if there are only right. six restaurants in your town. There are seven Mexican restaurants. <laughs> right. Um, so we went out to eat, and he ordered nachos, meat and cheese. Meat and I was like, you don't want like peppers, like anything. He said, if God had meant for me to eat plants, he would have made them out of meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. How come we're not making meat-based plant food? Yeah. You know? You know, I mean, I want some meat-based peppers and some meat-based salads. Yeah. You know, why aren't we doing that? Yeah, well, take that, Mr. <laughs> Just go I mean, full we, do, we do have a chef over here, um, and he is internationally famous, called Heston Blumenthal, who makes, like, really, really weird stuff. We went to his restaurant, and one of the things we had was tea, that when you drank it, it was both hot and cold simultaneously. It was like, how on earth has he done that? He... He poaches stuff in nitroglycerin, uh, not nitroglycerin, nitrosol. <laughs> nitroglycerin, <laughs> totally Whoa. different experience. Wow. But the, the the nitrous poached stuff is is crazy as well. Um, yeah, I'm sure he has made fruit out of meat at some point. So that's <laughs> that's pretty close to your plant, your meat based plant. There. I don't know. Somebody yeah. should go the nitroglycerin route now. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I mean, that next it, day it is pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Special, yep. uh, special chili. Yeah, that that would work for you, Bry. Mm. You've got seven Mexican restaurants, haven't you, Brian? In in uh, Martinsville, they're, they're all called pretty, chilies. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's pretty true, actually. Oh uh, my gosh. So, yeah, but be, being serious. Well, not ever really being serious, but you know, um, I, it's it's kind of your fault, Brian, that I got back into pedals. Um, Uh I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. Uh, So I I, I told the story many, many, many episodes ago. But um, if anyone's actually listened to me for more than one or two episodes, you may remember. uh, And God bless you. But um, I played the same basic pedal board for like 10, 12 years. You know, I didn't I didn't change much. Um, It was it was always like a tube screamer and or like a full tone, full drive, which is two tube screamers. I get it. Um, A wah pedal a delay pedal and a tremolo pedal. And that was about my basic pedal board. Sometimes it was not tremolo. It was a univibe, which is my favorite effect of all time, period. But I was fine. I wasn't tuned into the gear industry. I didn't pay attention to any of that. I played that pedal board into a vintage super reverb. uh, So like a early, you know, late Mm sixties, early seventies, super reverb. I I have two of them. There's no reason for anyone to have two of them. Um, well, but, you got to run stereo. See, I have done it. I have done it. Well, that's see, that's where the magic is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we won't even talk about wet, dry, wet with two super reverbs and an AC thirty. I mean, it's oh, insane. that sounds fantastic. But to be fair, though, uh, Andy Wood said to me uh, when I was chatting to him the other day, "Is like I have a very simple motto when going on the stage, which is uh, one is uh, t- two is one, and one is none." Because if one breaks down, you're screwed, basically. <laughs> so always carry two of everything, right? That's, That's what fantastic content anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I played that pedal board until I saw um, one of my friends on Facebook selling a Wampler Clarksdale. And I messaged him and told him I wanted it. And he was like, awesome. He was like, it's really good. And he started to describe it. I said, I, I don't care. It's called a Clarksdale. <laughs> I'm from Clarksdale. It has literally the Highway 49 and 61 signs on the pedal that, like, I grew up down the street from. 
I'm like, I don't give a shit what it does. <laughs> I right. want that pedal. So, yeah. And suddenly I discovered Wampler pedals. And from there I started to discover all the – because your pedals had been around for a little while there. But, like, the the most branching out I ever did was the, the full-tone stuff. That was, like, as non-Boss and Ibanez as I ever got. Right. So I'm curious. At that point, were you, like, mostly going to, like, guitar centers? Or what, what, what was – when you went to go buy gear – what did you do? Did you look online? I mean, mostly it was online. It was, I can remember back in that, that time period, which is we're talking, I, I think I first saw the Clarksdale in like 2013. So if we go back, sounds about right. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So at that time we had this tiny little music store in Clarksdale that I still love. It's it's, but it's mostly a, it's mostly a consignment or resale store or used music store. He doesn't, you know, I think he's, he carries some Dan electros that are still, that are new, but the rest is pretty much just whatever happens to be in there at the time. So whatever mm-hmm. I stumbled across there. And then I was a very active member of the Seymour Duncan user group forum. Uh, oh, gotcha. And, okay. And so I'd buy from there occasionally. And of course the gear page existed and I had an account on the gear page, but at that time I'd go to like the, the gear listings there and out of like the first 25 say amps or mm-hmm. pedals, I would have heard of one of the companies. And so I just stopped going. I'm like, I right. there's a way outside what I can afford. You know, I was at that point, I was a working guitarist in a small town, which meant I made almost no money. You know, I, I barely was eating and paying rent and those kinds of things. So, right. And, and so that's what I did. That's how I found gear was people talking about it either on the Seymour Duncan forum or it just came through the shop. And then at some point you got this magic firebird behind you. Oh, <laughs> yo, I knew that was coming up at some oh, point. Every right. time you move, I'm like, oh, yeah. man, I like that thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm chained to my headphones where I would go get it. That firebird's actually partially your fault, too. So what you're saying is I partly own it. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, sure. You're welcome to come down and play at any time. <laughs> uh, just give me a heads up. Don't knock it two in the morning. Um, can, can I get it every out. other weekend? Anything like that? <laughs> Joint custody. Uh, but every no, other weekend and Wednesdays. Something? That's that's the uh, Epiphone inspired by Gibson Firebird. So you guys Amazing wouldn't stop talking about Epiphones. Um, yeah, I. You know, I went down and I tried it out. I've got a video on YouTube where I give a review on it. Um, and at first I wasn't sold on it. I had, I had a buddy who had it in the shop and I was like, I watched Trogley's video on it where he like broke it down and he's like, Oh, it's actually neck through. It's not some weird like set neck that they make look like neck through, uh, right. which sounds exactly like something Gibson Epiphone would have done previously. <laughs> um, but no, he broke it down. I was like, okay, I really want a firebird. I really can't afford a Gibson right now. And let me go give this thing a shot. Didn't play great, and the strings were old as hell. So mm. I, I I knew the guys at the shop. I said, "Hey, can we change the strings on this and set it up just to get in there?" Like, "Yep, let's do it." So we did that. Suddenly, I loved it. I brought it home. I I did another setup on it because the intonation was way off, and you know, get it mm. pl- really playing. Did another tweak on the the truss rod to just kind of get it to settle in, and now that thing. It plays better than my buddy's uh, Gibson Firebird Studio. And You're it's not helping my wallet. It, it's Hold on, you, you, you touched the truss rod. Are you a wizard? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. 
So nobody ever touches the trust me, rod, dude. So part of being on those forums, Richard, was that I lived in Clarksdale, Mississippi. There aren't a bunch of guitar techs running around. If you wanted, if you wanted a pro to work on your guitar, you've got to drive to Memphis, Tennessee, and then you've got to drive again to pick it up. So you learned how to do a lot of that stuff on your own. So I I do everything short of fret leveling myself. That's where I draw yeah, the line. No, I, I, I feel you. I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I make light of it, but I, I actually quite enjoy working on yeah. all but my uh, Epiphones 335. I'm not touching that. That looks so delicately built. If I put my ham fists into it, I'd just destroy it straight away. Right? Uh, but no, that's that's a, a very nice looking uh, guitar there, Bri. I think it's got your name on it. I highly mm. recommend it. Oh, I see. I've been fighting this for about two months now. And I really have. At five ninety nine, how do you fight yourself on that? Come on, it, it's difficult. I'm, I mean, I'm I a got cheap bastard. I really <laughs> am. Um, I, I I got a really good deal on my three thirty five because I got it from uh, Andertons in the UK, and um, essentially it was their shop floor model. So they gave me a, a few pounds off it. It was really nicely set up out of the box. Intonation was spot on. I was like. I can't believe how little I, I paid pedal money for a guitar. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. The the thing it's really done for me, which I love, is it, it stopped me looking at 5,000 pound Gibson <laughs> 335s, right? It's like, that's it. I've got one. I don't need to look at this Murphy lab that's in original 60s flamed finish or whatever. I'm done now. So it's cheap for that, I, I would say. They're, they're great, um, great guitars. Very, very high level of quality. Um, yeah, we, I was... we've plugged them on two podcasts now, Brian. Epiphone better send us <laughs> I know. a whole crate of them now. <laughs> no kidding, right? You need a pallet, pallet yeah. full of Epiphone. <laughs> I, so, yeah, I mean, with my 335, the same thing. I, I for the, the money I paid for it, which uh, I don't know, was 499 or 599 somewhere in around there. And um, I just couldn't believe how good it was for that price. I was, I was just expecting something more like, more like what you'd find when you buy, you know, two hundred dollars Squire or something. Yeah, you know, exactly. just kind of that level. And it just didn't feel that way. It felt like a really nice instrument. So, or like the old Epiphone the, dots. I mean, yeah, they, the old ones. Yeah, they were okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought Hamer made a better three thirty five copy than the Epiphone dot, but yeah, a lot of people did. No yeah. doubt about it. That both Epiphone and Gibson have had to totally up their game in the last few years because of, you know, reputational damage that's happened, but also so many other quality brands have, have come through and eaten the way at their market share. And I, I love the fact that I'm looking up at Gibson's again, because as a kid, they were always the top level guitar to look up at, but for years they've, they've not been there, but they are again, and they're stupidly expensive for their <laughs> high end stuff, but are oh, so beautiful. Yeah. But the not stupidly expensive stuff is so much better now for, yeah. for example, I had, I I had a Les Paul years and years and years ago, um, and I traded it um, because at the time, I, I say at the time, I'm still playing majority like blues cover, soul gigs, that kind of stuff, you know? And so I was really into that semi-hollow sound. I found a guy who wanted to trade me that for, uh, trade me that Les Paul that I had for a 137 custom, which is still, I've still got it. It's right over here. Um, it's still one of my two main guitars. I love that guitar, but... Cool. I wanted another Les Paul because there's just there's nothing like a Les Paul. I'd squirreled some money away, had been putting it away, but 
I I had tried a couple of the ones they were putting out between 15 and 18, and I just I didn't like them, and they were stupid expensive. I think a standard was running at like thirty three, thirty four hundred, and then <laughs> then the new CEO came in, changed everything in 2019. I was in Nashville and played a bunch of the new Les Pauls, and was like, "Yep, that's what I want. <laughs> that that's the guitar." So I finally I finally bought one of those a couple of years ago, and so. I'm I'm very guitar rich and very bank account poor. <laughs> <laughs> You're in good company. Yeah. I was going to say that that sounds like a trade off that I I like to make. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every week, Brian. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I just bought a bass last week, so I wonder what I'm buying next week. Brian Duesenberg. Hey. Let's keep talking about yours. Now we're talking, Brian. Yeah. Now we're talking. I, see the the three thirty five. It took about. I'm going to say three weeks of every single day, Brian texting me saying, <laughs> Literally. dude, you will not believe how, how much I love this guitar. I mean, he actually had a bit of an existential crisis, I think, because he fell out of love with Telecasters. And I think for at least a week, I would say you were, you were questioning reality. You were kind of, <laughs> am I even Brian Wampler? Do I even Did, like guitars? Right. Like, what's going on? Here? Maybe I should get out of the pedal business. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe sausages aren't anymore. such a bad thing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, you know, I, weeks of, of him beating me down. And I, I found myself like every now and then, uh, like looking at them on the websites going, yeah, I can see why he likes them. And then he'd send me a video. So could you check this video? And of course he's playing it. And I'm like, you're not helping me here, Brian. And then like within two weeks, he's ringing me up. And I'm like, I'm looking at them now. I'm going to buy one. Go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> and, and I did. And I don't regret it. So I'm now working on him for a slightly more expensive Duesenberg style player because everybody needs to try one of those at some point, Brian. I, I, am, I have a different one that I will advise than Duesenberg, though. Because I am, I am fully on board here. Um, the pulpit at which I preach is the Church of Novo. If you have not played a Novo guitar, I have not. You need to, because hmm. um, so I had once again. It takes for like I don't, I don't. I guess now I have a few, so I can't say that. But it takes me years to get to a point where I'll buy a high dollar guitar, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I have to justify it to myself, and it takes me a while to squirrel away the money. To, to be able to really to, to get it. So I had been putting away a little here and there because I knew that I wanted a 40th birthday guitar. Like I've known this since I was 20 that for my 40th birthday, I wanted a big guitar, like something that, that I would not be able to get under normal circumstances. And for a long, long time, that guitar was, I wanted a 1980 Gibson ES-175. That's what mm-hmm. I wanted real bad. It's my mm-hmm. birth year. I was like, that'd be the perfect, then I played Novo, and I was like, "No, no, I need a, I need a Novo." And so for my fortieth birthday, I got one, and it's the single greatest guitar I've ever picked up in my entire life. And really, I, it is there. There's nothing else that plays like one. It's period. It's the perfect marriage between Gibson neck style and Fender neck style. Um, I uh. You got me looking at NovoGuitars.com now. Yeah, hold hold on. Uh, this is going to be great podcasting, but I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to taunt you with it. One second. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. This podcast is supported in part by String Joy Strings. 
I'm a snob. At least that's what people tell me. I'm never okay with good enough. And that's where Stringjoy strings come in. They're better than good enough. They're the best. Stranger are making some of the finest strings available today right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee. They offer custom sets, balanced tension, coded strings, the works. If you need it, they can probably make it happen. You should be using Stringjoy strings, and if you're going to order from them, you really could help this podcast out by clicking the affiliate link down in the description or show notes below. You get amazing strings, I get a little bit of that back to help the show keep going. It's a win-win situation. Get your Stringjoy strings today. I felt the same about the Duesenberg, though, to be honest, Bri. I have to admit, when I picked that up, I was like, this is the one. Okay, so, All right, the... so as I get my ears back in so I can hear what I'm actually saying. Um, and yeah, we were saying some really awful things. Oh, I'm sure you, you were. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, so I, uh, I ordered this in August of last year. And you can order with light reg- relicking. I am one of those people who likes relicked guitars. It's not everyone's ball game, but um, I am a oh, huge fan of these is, guitars. Is the neck relic too? Uh, yeah. Well, it's like yeah, it is relic. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's that's what I like. Is that the neck yeah. feels like an old neck? It does. Yeah. It really. The only thing that's not relic, and this is just a, a very very mild gripe. The binding is very, very white. <laughs> uh, now, down here, it gets a little cream-colored, uh, but mm-hmm. here, it's just really, really white, but it'll happen. It'll age eventually. So Yeah, that, that will age pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I've got yeah. a uh, 20-year-old Les Paul, and my white binding is definitely no longer anywhere near <laughs> white. So, yeah, that'll happen. So, that's a really nice-looking gold, though. It's like a kind of bronzy gold over a sunburst, is it? That's it. So, I did a three-tone sunburst. Because I'm a traditionalist, I realize that I am a boomer that's not. I'm a millennial boomer when it comes to guitar styles. I like Gibson. I like Fender. I was going to say, that's not a traditional-looking no, guitar, right? But it, so, I got the the sunburst as sort of like the nod to Fender, with, yeah, with gold top gold over it and aged as that nod to Gibson, and so mm-hmm. including the headstock, which is black with gold writing, very Gibson esque, right? But uh, nothing. I, mean, I, I really like those traditional Gibson shapes, though. I mean, I've I've struggled with offsets and you know those types of of shapes for a long time. It just they just don't feel like the standards to me like i'm like this doesn't feel like a telly or this doesn't feel like a les paul what is this strange thing yeah <laughs> then you got the 335 and your whole mind was opened up to that's the thing new I shapes got, i got the 335 and i'm like has anybody put b benders in 335 <laughs> i hmm. dig the off, uh, offset shape my daughter's yeah. got uh, a fender oh, i forget maybe a mm, jaguar or a mustang but it's a short scale base essentially uh but it's really comfortable to hold so that's why i started thinking about the um uh, the squire base six because it is that sort of offset shape uh kind of like my jazz bass is a bit of, of an offset uh they're very comfortable to hold and play when you're standing up right so you know, I, I like the balance of them. Uh, I'd never heard of those uh, Novo guitars until uh, the now, balance. So. so by balance, you mean like when you throw it around your neck, it stays. <laughs> yep. 
They're designed not to be able to be thrown around. <laughs> well, if they're balanced <laughs> right, you can just start it and it'll just keep going on its own. Just like keep a going in circle, motion. right? <laughs> I think you need to try that with your 335 now. Yeah, don't. Mm. <laughs> Too risky. Too risky on that one. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I do like about the Novo, the body style, they use um they use tempered uh, pine instead of ash or alder. And mm. that guitar, though it's huge, is seven pounds. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I actually like the tone of, I don't, I mean, there's, you know, the whole tone would debate, but every pine, pretty much every pine telecaster I've played, I've really liked. Yeah. Just, just the, just the resonant sound of it, even. Pine's a great wood for guitars, mm-hmm. definitely. It is. It, the, I guess the reason more people don't do it is because you do have to temper it or horrify it or, you know, whatever their marketing term for hardening it is. Right. Um, they can say whatever they want because it's such a soft wood. It's going to, it's going to do weird things. If you don't yeah. do it. Yeah. I, I love that guitar. I highly recommend trying them out next time and, you're in Nashville. You've got dual P90s in it. Um, I do. Kind of traditional looking, but how do they sound? Uh, meaty. They're, nice. they're real meaty. Hmm. Um, uh, granted, like every P90 on the planet, they're a little noisy in certain situations. Um, I, I get really good at flipping to the middle position to cancel the hum in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that quiet section's coming up. I better flip down. Right. What you need is a Wampler gearbox because I tell you, the noise got no. Uh, oh, yeah, here they have a world class the, noise gate. Yeah, but I tell you, it uh, uh, when it came, so I got the, the, the pedal, you know, a couple of months before it was released so that I could start writing the marketing and, 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 and whatnot on it. Um, and I didn't touch the noise gate. I was like, I've had one of these on another pedal. I didn't like it. It, it just killed all my tone. It made everything sound like a millisecond long uh, in, in terms of sustain. Uh, so I didn't touch it. And then I was chatting to Andy and he's like, how do you, how do you like the uh, noise gate? I was like, you know what? I haven't really tried it. Let me try it. And I was like, Brian, this is broken. Because <laughs> all it's doing is removing my kind of ground level hum. It's all my tone is still there. He's like, no, that's what it's supposed to do, Richard. I, was like, <laughs> I have been wrong all these years, but it is, I, I, regardless mm. of who made it, because because you know I'm biased, but it sounds great. And if you've got uh, if you've got a passion for P90s or single uh, coil guitars, definitely try one out, dude, uh, because it kills everything else so nicely. But it sounds absolutely perfect, right? Yeah, I've got to put it on the agenda because P90s, that's my pickup. That's that's my sound. That's just what I love. And they're they're noisy. And yeah. don't and noiseless P90s sound terrible. So, yeah, there's no point in it's like buying yeah. a strat with noiseless pickups. That's you know it's like buying alcohol free whiskey. What's yeah. the point in that? <laughs> it's yeah. like listening to Eric Clapton. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh, whoa there. Sorry. Ooh, whoa sorry. there. Getting, we're getting real controversial there. It's it's okay. It wouldn't be the first time I've ranted about Eric Clapton on this podcast. I was going to say, these days, I think if you say you like Eric Clapton, that's more controversial than saying you don't like him. I know. Right? It's, oh. Last live gig I saw was Eric Clapton, though, uh, and it was amazing because it was the tribute to Ginger Baker. So he played nothing other than Cream and... Um, blind face stuff and it was hmm. just absolutely amazing we had 
Roger Waters of Pink Floyd was there, Brian. I know one of your favorite bands. Oh, love the Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We also had Niall Rogers, who was just absolute. I mean, he killed it. Literally, the whole band went off stage, and he was down the front with his moneymaker, hitmaker, whatever he calls it, Strat, and he wouldn't stop. He was just like playing, and like the audience was clapping. It was an amazing gig. Uh, we, I think Ronnie Wood was there, four drummers at one point, Bry. That's where I walk out. For. That's where I walk out. <laughs> four drummers at once four drummers at once doing white room which has this really big tom tom based intro bry ah you would have been you'd have been in your element there dude you just no 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 four drummers is way too many that's like four times the symbols necessary (laughs) just actively described one of my worst nightmares it's like like walking walking into nam in the drum section like stop make it stop we're gonna we're, we're gonna not be friends after this podcast bro you can see what's behind my head can't you there's one or two symbols there right every one of them beautiful yeah they're pretty to look at then you gotta listen to them like kids you need, no I'm kidding you need midi symbols that way they don't make any noise oh they're horrible <laughs> yeah. i've got some i've got some midi symbols from 1999 oh, and gosh. they're like they're like really like thin plasticky things they they don't work very well no i i Electronic drum kits have come a long way. They're still not there yet, but they've come a long way. Um, yep. No, they definitely have. Like like pedals have. I, I mean, my yeah. story on the pedals was pretty similar to yours, actually, uh, Philip, because I was basically using a modeler for 10 years. Uh, I, I had like a big like amp and I had an original fuzz face and uh, an old big muff and I just one day thought I, I can't be bothered with all of this anymore so I sold it all we moved house so I had to downsize a little bit anyway and I just ended up plugging into the line six and using my computer monitors for like I'm gonna say the best part of 12 years actually and over time my hearing degraded and I was like <laughs> this is terrible what am I doing to myself so uh, I went out and I bought the first thing I got was a um because I'd, I'd played a few uh electro harmonics pedal I bought a, like a three-in-one pedal. It was called a Tone Tattoo. And I think it was a, a metal muff with a terrible noise gate in it. Um, yeah. It was a chorus and an analog delay, I think. So it kind of got me started on it. And it just, it, it was okay. It was better than the modeling. Uh, and then I discovered I had an old like uh, Laney amp, tube amp, and I plugged that in and it was like 15 years old. I was like, this is the sound I want. So I got back into the tubes, got back into the pedals. And then I went to the, local guitar shop i was like i kind of want a rat and so they said we don't have one and they showed me a, a moor black secret which is a rat clone and they said you might also like this and so they showed me a, a one plus sovereign he said this is a and i'm sorry brian but i have to use the word this is a more transparent uh oh. overdrive you might like this if you want that kind of eric johnson sound and i was like well i'm not sure i do but let me listen and i was sold straight away i was like i love this this is the sound that i've been after uh, and then yeah, fast forward cut on three years, and I'm I'm working on the pedals. But uh, yeah, I I had my time in the wilderness too with uh, w- without a decent pedal board. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Yeah. So, Brian, how did you get into making pedals? I know you just you played guitar for so long, and like you are like uh, I don't want to say poster child, but um... <laughs> don't make me spit out my water there. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's like, I, I know that... It's a horrible poster. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, this is very much, like... Can they you, find a better model? I don't think, and so you can correct me, you didn't, like, 
go to school for electronics or anything like that. You just started working on pedals and like just got obsessed with circuits. I barely graduated high school, let alone <laughs> going to college. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I just literally um, used the internet and learned a little bit about electronics enough to buy a soldering iron, start pulling out parts and pedals and wonder what happens when I change this capacitor. That's kind of where I started from. And then, you know, same sort of thing, learned how to read schematics and then just bought, um, I don't have anyone close to me or anything close to me, but just a breadboard that kind of allows you to make circuit real, really quick without soldering. And so I would just look up schematics, make the circuit real quick. And well, what happens when I change this or what if I take this part and move it to the other side of it? You know, I would just experiment for the longest time. Did that golly years. I mean, it was just long time. That's all I did. Never. I wasn't working. I was just messing with breadboards. And um, eventually, like I, I was doing modifications for people, and um, had people asking me to build some pedals. And so I built a few pedals. And then I had a retailer that asked if I would sell them some pedals. I'm like, oh, I guess so. And pretty much, I kind of got shoved into the business of selling pedals. Uh, but I mean, that wasn't really the intention. The intention was I was going to be a, a, a guitar player in a band in Nashville. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. But every time I show up with a pedal, you know, people be like, hey, dude, can I borrow that for a while? <laughs> so I started selling a lot of pedals in Nashville. And um, yeah, that's really kind of have the whole thing just. I mean, it seems like it snowballed like, oh, it was easy from there. It was just, you know, sit back and count how many hundreds come into your account, you know. Um, but, you know, it's just slowly, little by little, a lot of persistence, really. Persistence, yeah. being at the right place at the right time. There's a good time to start a guitar pedal business in 2005, whatever it was. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's just... Like right um, on the cusp of it all starting to really, yeah. really start to blow up, really start to do it something. Was, it was the like literally it was like me and Josh Scott from JHS, Jamie from Earthquaker, uh, a couple businesses like that. We, we all just kind of started at the same time. Yeah, we were all hanging out on the same forums talking about electronics, and you know that's we just all kind of stumbled into businesses. I suppose it it's such a weird it, that that time period is so interesting to me. So Josh Scott's an interesting case because you know. He um he's from near here. He's from Alabama, yeah. but um he was he was living in Jackson when he first started. I still go to the guitar store he started selling out of for the first time and I bought one of those like I'm pretty sure it was a JHS modded DS1 and I mm -hmm. had it for a little while. You know, it was just it was it was a Dymo sticker on a pedal to me and right. ultimately uh, and Blake can be mad at me if he, want, he wants, but ultimately <laughs> DS1 is not my sound, <laughs> like me and the DS. And so I, I sold it off, and now I'm like, oh, if only I'd kept it. Oh, if only I still had that. But anyway. Um, yeah, you're talking to the guy who sold his, like, 1970s fuzz face for, like, 300 pounds about <laughs> years ago. So oh just before gosh. pedals became a thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's... And that's that's a whole other ballgame. I've ranted about the <laughs> the way people have fetishized uh, harder to get pedals, especially when that circuit exists somewhere else, and you can yep. easily get that sound from something else that's not nearly that expensive. Yeah, uh, 
this is a uh, this is a uh, topic that Brian is very passionate about, and he he's probably keeping his blood pressure down using <laughs> yoga breathing techniques right now. Because in a minute he's going to tell you it's just maths. There's it, no magic. It is. It's just math. We um I I I I'm pretty sure that this was a Josh Squat uh Josh Squat Josh Scott quote. I like Josh the name Josh, Josh Squat. Squat. It's a Josh Squat. Considering how tall he is, I think it's very appropriate. I'm going to start a new company, Josh Squat Guitar Pedals. You can create a new exercise, the Josh Squat. But. <laughs> He uh he, he said uh, once he said we sent a man to the moon we can recreate a guitar pedal circuit right <laughs> this, this isn't like the highest of wizardry here this is right this is a bunch of diodes it, and resistors and transistors and yeah it really is that I mean sounds pretty simple and it really is is fairly simple the electronics for pedals are not that extravagant most of the time um. But people like to believe in magic. People love the exact people yeah. love the myth, the romance, they do. the vintage componentry. Yeah. Um, I'm not personally. good. I'm not good at keeping things that suddenly explode like that. Like for example, I had for a while a JHS Klon and I loved that pedal. One one of his that he made when mm-hmm. Bill stopped making them. Uh and it is a point to point replica. It, there's been no qualms about it. That's what it is. It's exactly the circuit. Um, and then like Josh put an episode out a while back of his show where he like compared that, that crazy clone number two that he's got to his replica. And it was spot on. It was so yeah. perfect that he was like, I promise I'm switching between them. I promise. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I've got one of those in that bronze casing. I went on reverb and I was like, let's just see how stupid people are. And if the person who bought it listens to this podcast, I'm very sorry. But, um, <laughs> Uh, I said, thousand dollars. It sold for nine hundred. Wow, nine hundred dollars. By the way, that one I sold is back on reverb right now at eight hundred dollars from the guy I sold it for two. <laughs> yeah, Brian, uh, we still got that tin of gold paint in those housings. We do. It? Yes, I'm pretty sure we can we can corner this market, my friend. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Call, can we call it the Quan? <laughs> From Josh Squat? From Josh Squat. The Josh Squat Quan. Josh Squat Quan? That's easy for you to say. (laughs) But it's 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 really infuriating when people get so I I don't know. I I, I get I get upset about it. It doesn't make sense. yeah, next to there are no new circuits that that will make Brian have uh, literal mm. palpitation. Yeah, that's not true either. Yeah, everything okay. you make is a tube screamer. Not um, true. Another favorite of uh, of Brian's, uh, which is funny course, because the one that brought me to your pedals is a tube is, screamer. Is, is, that is the tube screamer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, several other common tropes that Brian fights on a weekly, if not daily, basis. Right. So, right. so, so Brian, you've got to, you've got to just let it go, man. The blood pressure, you got to keep, because this fight's not going anywhere. <laughs> but first of all, a tuner is a necessity. I don't care what education you have, you need a tuner. So, My God. So, so when does the Brian Wampler tuner come out? And it obviously you know, works I, better. I, I, I've had people ask us about tuners, but the reason why I, I have not put out a tuner yet. Because how do you make a tuner better? 
I mean, I, I, I wonder if the answer is to put it in a wah pedal so that you're taking two pedals into one, Bri. It's been done. Ah, oh, dang. It's been done. Uh, yeah. I I don't know how you make it better. I mean, I used that. I used the venerable TU2 until mm-hmm. actually it didn't even break. I just sold it when, <laughs> when you know, I didn't need it anymore. And I used, uh, I got the Diderio because it took up a little less space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just, it's still working. It's still on a buddy of mine's pedal board that I talked to today. That pedal's yep. been going for 15 years. Yeah, I've I got use a this. Boss TU12, I think, that's uh, 21 years old now, probably. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got it. Right. I've got a Sonic Research that I like a lot. I, I just like strobe tuners, and it's got you know like a LED strobe type thing. Um, and I've I used the old version for years, and they came out the new version, and I bought that, and it works great. It yeah. works really well. And so that's my thought: like, how do you improve this? Someone says, brand. "Why don't you make a tuner?" I'm like, "Just buy that." <laughs> I can't make it sound better, <laughs> you know. I can't. What am I gonna do? This this tunes it out of tune. Like, so it sounds better. I mean, that's not going to work. Maybe that's so. the trick. You've got to find a way to make the tuner sound better. <laughs> How about this, Brian? How about this? A pedal where you plug a guitar in, and no matter how out of tune it is, the output is in tune. Oh, oh so, so pitch, an auto-tune. shifter. Is, yeah. Isn't that, a, that... isn't that what the Variax does with Line 6? The guitar? Maybe. Maybe. you can. It probably does if it's a MIDI or anything like that, yeah. yeah. There we go. We've invented a new tuner. I'm copywriting that. <laughs> All right. There you go. I'll, I'll that's send you one my, way to do it. I'll send you my bill for research and development consulting. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, it, so I, I, I wanted to bring this up and I, I said I would because I was talking when I when I talked to Blake last night. I mentioned I was going to bring this up because I listen. I, obviously, I listen to Neil's podcast. I really enjoy it. Um, and at the risk of. Brian either just turning his camera off in frustration or falling asleep. Richard, I watched The Wall a couple of weekends ago. Not the album. I watched that movie from 82. What the hell was that? Let me have a look here. What the hell was that? (laughs) Hold on a minute. I am I am not a Pink Floyd listener. So, so that's the Alan Parker film yeah. um starring Bob Geldof, right? And Correct. I mean, firstly, um without casting aspersions on your good nature, were you either drunk or high when you watched it? No, which I probably well, should have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> then then you've got no chance I, I mean no, I I could I I actually saw that for the first time because my brother really liked Pink Floyd, which is kind of how it sort of started sitting with me. And so I watched that when I was about 13 and I had a much more severe reaction. I was like, what? How? (laughs) But the animation pieces in it drew me in. So you've got these beautiful animations by Gerald Scarf um, and they are absolutely fantastic. Yes, as a sort of teenager when I was experimenting with the fungibles, no (laughs) doubt those animations became better. But it, it it's actually a really powerful film. I mean, it is a two-hour-long, yeah. like, rock video, basically. You know, it's a concept, but it's a very high sort of brow concept with a lot of personal stuff from Roger Waters. Brian, you'd be asleep within 10 minutes. I you know, it. I'm sure that movie's great. It's no rad. 
you know, the BMX <laughs> movie rad. It's nothing, it's nothing nearly that, that good. No BMX bandits, is right? It? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when Ralph, when the karate kid starts riding BMX bikes, that's a pretty damn good movie. You know what I'm saying? But so, the music, Philip, the music is what matters. Oh, the music was great and rad. That was <laughs> totally great. Yeah. Well, if we're going to go down the Ralph Macchio train, you know, <laughs> you've got Crossroads, which, come on. It's I've like, never seen it. I've actually, what? Uh, yeah, I've got it on. And I, the, the weird thing is, is I was like, I was that kid in 1986 who went into school with a little kind of bit of blanket that I'd torn up and written like fake Japanese symbols on oh pretending to be the karate kid. So <laughs> I loved the karate kid. It was my jam back in 86. But somehow Crossroads just passed me by. I've actually got it on, I don't know whether it's on Amazon or on iTunes or whatever. I, I, I bought it to watch one weekend. So I cannot wait to watch it because... Steve you got to watch that. Yeah. That's a great, it's a great movie. Film. Yeah, no, I I remember it at the time, and it just passed me by, dude. So I, it was I, filmed I not far it. from Clarksdale, actually, in a little town called Beulah, Mississippi. Hmm. I was too busy watching the wall, and I, that just took <laughs> took out the wall and BMX bandits, and you know what else are you gonna fit in? This, this explains so much now. I understand so much more about you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I told you about the the blanket headband, <laughs> dude. Someone's gonna mock that up at some this point. Is, this oh, is why this geez. podcast is so good. We get to those deep seated issues. <laughs> you were born. You were born in eighty, so you're you're a little bit too young to remember. But Brian, you remember the whole kind of like how fashionable, uh, like Japanese stuff became. Like kids were walking around wearing kimonos at school in the yeah. UK. It's like I'm, five I'm, degrees, and they're wearing I'm like. Sensing- I'm sensing a new merchandise section of Wampler Pedals. Oh, I like it. Kimonos and headbands. Oh, oh. That won't cause a ruckus at all. But I mean, it extended to like the, the early 90s. I had my first trip ever to New York to visit my family. I came back with like uh, kind of three or four things. Oreo cookies, um, goober grape peanut butter and grape jelly. Ninja throwing stars, uh, nunchuckers, <laughs> and like any other ninja things that I could get through customs back then, because it was the thing, right? That's what we were all into back then. Well, even into the '90s, that trend continued. You had like teen ninjas and three ninjas, and like if you could put something ninja in front of it, they made a movie about it. it you didn't yeah. even be a turtle. Yeah. They'd make a movie about I it. I loved yeah. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I. I <laughs> was completely and utterly obsessed. <laughs> completely. Uh, I remember one yeah. year for Halloween, I went as Donatello. And so I had these. And and of course, because I'm extra, I didn't have like plastic swords. I had wooden katanas. <laughs> and so went to this, like, uh, my uncle had this huge, like, you know, small Mississippi town, but he had this huge front yard. And he would do this huge Halloween display. Like he'd have people dressed up as certain horror characters wandering around like it was this big party. Um, and so I went and, you know, I'm like six, seven and I dressed up as a Ninja Turtle with my wooden swords on my back. And one of those horror characters does what horror characters does and starts, you know, ambling towards you. <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled out my sword. <laughs> did you, did you go to town? Defended myself. Found out it was like my my like seventeen year old cousin. Uh, and I was like, I we were so, so lucky. Bad. People didn't have iPhones to film us on. 
because you would have been you would have been the next Star Wars kid, right? right. <laughs> there would have been a video of you with the whole katana <laughs> thing going on, and they'd be like, "Check this kid out. He's he's kind of odd." <laughs> no. Oh, that would have been an understatement. Oh my gosh! But yeah, the Ninja Turtles. That was that was my jam. Oh man, I, you went I, as Donatello. I went as Vince Neil as a kid. <laughs> you know? As an adult, you mean you did yeah. that like three I mean, that weeks like, ago? Yeah, like last year. I mean, see, it's a shame in in this country. So Halloween has taken off a lot since the eighties, but we don't have those big events. People like some people do, but it's very rare. People don't dress up and have parties. And uh, I, I think you know, I can't remember the last time we dressed up in fancy dress. I was probably twelve. Yeah, when last uh, time you danced in a fancy dress? No, dressed <laughs> up in a fancy dress, Brian. Uh, yeah, I it's in a my, fancy dress. In a fancy dress, yes. No, it no, could fancy be. dress costume. That's what we call it what, when you dress. Why do you guys up. talk so we just talk American? Just <laughs> talk like an American. Is that hard? Uh, Hold on, let me let me just punch myself in the head to lose a few brain cells. <laughs> <right. Hold on. laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, earlier you said uh, you talked about moving house, and I love that phrase. That's not a phrase Americans use. Uh, moving Lockdowns house, uh, moving house. It, we just say moving. Yeah, yeah, because we understand that that means you live in a house. <laughs> Look, I'm moving now, though. How do I differentiate? Uh, Context of the conversation. Although I, I did, guess. I did notice earlier. I think you're you're having weekly conversations or daily with Brian uh, with Americans is starting to rub off because at least once you called it a three thirty five instead of a three three five. Well, I, I yeah, I I am picking up the odd Americanism. <laughs> I try and I try not to, but. Uh, <sighs> I, look, to, to be fair, I've got half of my family over in uh, in New Jersey and New York, so I love your country as much as much fun as I poke at it. Uh, I I love most American things, so uh, I will pick up those things every time I go to New York. I come home, and my wife's like, "Right, I'm going to give you two weeks, and you better <laughs> you better stop saying y'all and right. other words that you've picked up out there. It's not soda, okay? It's a Coke." All right, you know, it's not a sidewalk, it's a pavement. We're not so, drinking sweet tea. Yeah, <laughs> there is only one form of tea we drink in this country. Um, so yeah, there's a um, there's a there's a a, a girl, a, a young woman on TikTok who uh named Dawn, she's she's from the UK and she just reviews american foods like she orders them or has them sent to her and she starts and like i'm learning so much from her the differences like just in food she discovered ranch dressing for the first time and it changed her life well ranch dressing is nice to be yeah, fair she uh, she tried it and now apparently she orders it by the case on amazon yeah i told brian i i ordered um like 30 pounds as in money not as in weight worth of cheetos because you can't buy that anywhere so i ordered like 30 pounds is quite a lot to, to pay for like snack food yeah. i got three three little bags that's all oh i got oh 30 pounds. I was like, okay they look bigger in the photo but fair enough I, I can't <laughs> imagine we it. can't get cheetos oh i mean Again, in in the eighties and nineties, it was you couldn't even buy Oreo cookies. Now you can get every type of Oreo cookie in the local uh, shop. But there are still a few things we can't get. Dunkin' Donuts has never taken off over here, and 
they make one of the nicest kind of vanilla roast coffee um, mm. that you can get. And yeah. I, I want them to come here, not for the donuts, because we've got enough donuts, just for the coffee. But it's not having, although Wendy's and Popeyes are coming uh, back to the UK. Well, Popeyes is coming to the UK. Wendy's, Wendy's used to be here. So we're going to get our square dose of cholesterol soon, <laughs> Bri. Do y'all have a Chili's, though? That's the nope. question. Oh. No, no, no Chick-fil-A either. Um, Chili's so is my still... favorite plastic food. Is it? <laughs> It is. I call it plastic food, but I genuinely love chilies. I don't know why. So I live in a, a little small town in Indiana, it's mid central of Indiana, and that's our fancy place to eat is chilies. <laughs> that's, that's literally our fanciest restaurant. Do you wear fancy dress to go to chilies? We we get dressed up. Yeah. We put our we put our brand new white sneakers on. And, and the irony you know? is, from what you've told me, walking around in your town is like a Halloween show, right? It is just <laughs> it was, like. A little bit. Zombies I mean, on tractors and the, there is a lot of people riding mowers around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you oh. see, that doesn't happen in the UK. I can tell you that is a cultural well, difference. In, in rural America, in general, being from Mississippi, a tractor is a valid means of highway transportation. <laughs> it really it gets you everywhere <laughs> you need to go because you never know when you're going to have to go off road. Right. You know. And also, sorry I'm late, got stuck behind a tractor is a valid excuse <laughs> a for valid being excuse late. excuse for why you couldn't make it on time. Yes. Yeah, I mean, a tractor, fine. A lawnmower, you know. Uh, look, but, uh, I've seen a guy get a DUI on a lawnmower. Don't start with yeah, me. That is that is illegal, yes. That, that, and you know what? I wasn't that drunk when it happened, you know? <laughs> Sometimes you, you just got to do what you got to do. Right. <laughs> I, I mean you gotta get to the liquor store and back somehow you know i i once uh so i posted a little while back so my my neighborhood i i live in a university town so it's 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 a little different in that i live in a university town but it's still a very small town and we have a facebook group for our neighborhood and so they'll share oh so-and-so's dog is on the loose or such and such such and such whatever's that going on <laughs> one day someone posted uh someone's cow is loose in the neighborhood <laughs> and so i posted that on facebook and uh someone com- i said tell me you're in a small town without saying you're in a small town and someone commented right. about the whole dui on a lawnmower and i said i've seen that i've seen a guy get a dui on horseback <laughs> <laughs> now that's awesome yeah like little Holcomb, Mississippi is where that happened. Little tiny town, but guy was guy was already drunk. He needed to go to the store. He needed more beer. He figured the horse the horse isn't drunk. He's fine. Well, how do you charge so operating a horse while intoxicated? Like, is that a thing? I would love to see that that case go to court, though. I want to see that defense on both sides. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, oh my god! Oh, it's great! Oh, it's fan! Oh, it's so good! R- Richard's just thinking here. God, I'm glad I'm not American. <laughs> god, all the fun well, is in think- rural America. <laughs> I, I, I have nothing to add. I, I, I can't tell you about somebody that uh, just doesn't happen near me. Although that said, I do live in a pretty stupid part of the country, so we do get random, very, very stupid things happening. But no, uh, no DUIs on, on horseback <laughs> or or on cows or on lawnmowers that I know of. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, you guys <laughs> enjoy that. I mean. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, it's it is what we do. We uh, love it. 
Well, guys, I've I've kept a good chunk of your time. We we're hitting the hour mark, and I really appreciate y'all coming on, hanging out, uh, listeners. I should have mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to put links to uh, Wampler Pedals website, Chasing Tone podcast. All that's down in the description. Whether you're on YouTube or listening to the podcast, uh, so you can find these guys. Make sure you listen to Chasing Tone podcast. It's hilarious, and it is um, almost rarely about gear. <laughs> it's really it's really not about guitar stuff that often no I, would, we talk about guitar stuff every week it just goes off into the right. weeds very rapidly we start at guitar stuff and we end up on ufos yes i mean i'm just saying tom DeLong, he was onto something it made one of the guys from blink 182 they were onto something yeah. So right. you are you are preaching to the choir, my friend. No <laughs> doubt about that. We can have that conversation uh, till till the cows come home, <laughs> ridden by their drunken uh, Indiana owners. By the sounds of it. <laughs> oh, but it's been a pleasure, Philip. Thanks for it, yeah. thanks for having it's us. Been fun. On. Yeah, I appreciate y'all coming on, and and listeners, I appreciate y'all hanging out this long, listening to the shenanigans. Um, remember, do yourself a favor. Take care of yourself, be kind to each other, and uh, try to sit down and make some noise. This episode is brought to you by the supporters of 40 Watt Podcast over on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash 40 Watt Podcast, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help support the podcast and get every episode ad-free. For $5 a month, you'll get every episode ad-free, as well as a bonus episode every week. I can't overstate how thankful I am for the support of my patrons, and hope you'll consider joining the team and helping keep this show on the road.